in the life of Christ, getting up closer toward the Easter season. But last, last week we, we had Zacchaeus playing hide and seek with the Lord climbing up a tree and getting saved and having Christ, having Christ come to his house. This is the exact same place. This story takes place in Zacchaeus' house. And uh, there's Pharisees there that are uh, definitely offended with him. And he's teaching them a lesson on obedience, disobedience, and laziness. So I hope you'll join me in a word of prayer again. Lord, thank you for these teachings. Lord, they are meant to be passed down generation to generation to teach us. Ask you, Lord, to open our minds and our hearts that we might learn from this, this parable. Thank you again, Lord, for the privilege of meeting here. Thank you, Lord, for the health that we have to meet here. In Jesus' name, amen. Cost, the cost of disobedience. I recall in my life, growing up, and I had an impact on me. It's, it's part of who I am. Not only did I get punished for disobedience, I got punished for my brothers and sisters' disobedience because I allowed them to get away with something or to do something. And I just recall that because I was accountable to my father for their bad behavior and uh, it's a little bit like that now as a pastor of, 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 of people that uh, might, might stray. In some ways, uh, I feel accountable and I, I always wonder if I, if I have preached wrong, if I have preached the wrong thing or not enough of this, the same thing. In, in actuality, uh, we are accountable for our own sins and disobedience and laziness. Jesus said this in Zacchaeus' house, Luke 19, verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable. Because he was close to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God would come immediately, would immediately appear. And again, you need to understand we prosper when we wake up every day and wonder why we're, we're still here. We prosper when we think that today might be the day. We prosper from that. But for 2,100 years, 2,100 years, every generation has hoped and wondered that the, the end would happen in their lifetime. It's a good thing. But it may not. It sure looks like it. It sure looks like the kingdom of God is going to happen soon with all the, the prophecies that are happening, the inevitable things that are happening. And I want, you to, I want you to understand, we prosper when we live our life each day like it might be our last. Again, verse 11. And... As they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable. 
because he was close to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman, now the nobleman is Jesus Christ, went into a far country, heaven. He's going to go to heaven. He went into heaven and to receive for himself a kingdom and to return to earth. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. Gifts and abilities are how this relates to us. One each, ten, getting one pound each, one symbolically gifts and abilities. And he said unto them, Occupy, occupy the land, be useful till I come. And again, I hesitate to say this. I hope the Lord doesn't judge me poorly for saying this, but I really do believe that our nation found an apex, found a spike in the the 50s and 60s maybe, maybe the 70s, where millions of people were truly getting saved, building churches, sending missionaries. But that's not happening altogether like it did back then. We're on a downside. We're on a decrease uh, in that. Now, other countries, there is, there is a great deal of missionary work going on. But even that missionary work in many of the countries, even our missionaries in the, that we have pinned up their stories on the, the bulletin board back here, even they are being through forced labor or being forced to stop working so at the penalty of, of death. Verse 14, if you're with me. But his citizens, and that would be the general population, hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man, Jesus Christ, to reign over us. And again, general population, that's so true. And it came to pass that when he was returned, Having received the kingdom, Jesus coming back, he commanded these servants to be called to him, to whom he had given the money, the gifts, the abilities, that he might know how much every man had gained, had improved by their use. And this would be judgment day. The judgment day that will happen. When he comes back, there will be judgment day. We talk about the judgment day for the truly saved. And just to rehearse that, 2 Corinthians verse chapter 5, 10. For we must all appear. That's us. This is the judgment day for the believers. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Years ago, I'm trying to think what decade, probably the 70s or 80s, uh, my previous church had a giant castle on its property. And it was just sitting there doing nothing. It had four floors. And 
I decided with the youth group's help to make it a youth group project and to make it into a scare mare. A scare mare would be a haunted house, but with no hauntings. The scare mare, mare was a, a place where we had only biblical things involved. Now, by the end of all these years, it was so successful, the, the senior pastor at that time kind of took it over and had vampires in it and all that, which was greatly offensive to me. My claim was that it would always be, anything in it would be biblical, but to represent what hell must be like. And it came to pass that when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded his servants to be called. This is our judgment seat. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us might receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. I promise you, I promise you, you and I, the born-again believers, will stand in front of Jesus at the Bema seat we, we had uh, a wonderful staff of parents, too, and we acted out the Bema Seat. We acted out the Bema Seat judgment. And we had, we had I remember the person, Todd Wortman's mother, Pastor Todd Wortman's mother. Uh, there was this long line. There were crowds on both sides. Jesus was on the stage. Scott Manganella was, was uh, Jesus up on the stage. And... Uh, Linda came down, Scott, Scott Wortman's mother, and she had, they started reading off all her accomplishments. And we had this giant, we had this giant trophy case, cases in the church with all these trophies, and we raided it, the case, and we brought all these trophies out, and we gave all these trophies to Todd Wortman's mother. She was like this, and they kept making more things. They were piling up over her head that she received so many trophies for her work. It was actually too, too funny, too hilarious. I thought it was a very serious moment, but everybody was laughing because she was walking away trying to balance all these. However, the very next person that came down, came down the aisle, standing in front of Jesus, and he had done nothing. He had, he had accomplished nothing. He had no good works. He, had, he got no trophies. Nevertheless, he got into heaven because he was a born-again believer and pretty much separated from sin. But that shows the stark reality that when we get to heaven, we get mansions, we get trophies, we give those trophies back to God, casting our crowns back to him, but that's what this is. That's what this is. We must all, you and I must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done while in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. 
Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, a, a bank account in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where, this famous quote, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's one particular person I hope is listening right now uh, at home, and I hope they heard that message, that verse even, uh, so important, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Back to verse 15. It came to pass that, he, that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given money, gifts, and abilities, that he might know how much every man had gained, had improved by their use. We have the reward for faithfulness, for a snowy, icy, covered morning, for you all to be here. I'm wrong, maybe, for assuming that you are the faithful, but you are the faithful. You're the faithful in my, in my heart. And I just so appreciate you. But God knows. But God knows the reward for the faithful. Look, look at verse 16. Then came the first. Now he's just come back and he's having a, the judgment day. And he says, saying, Lord, thy pound, thy gift and abilities have gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, well, thou good and good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Over ten cities. Yes. Just looking at this, at this verse, there are different cities in the kingdom to come be different cities there will be those who have great authority in in one book that my wife and i listened to while traveling uh very spiritual book i wish i could remember it uh there was four friends and one friend was quiet now listen quiet people was quiet loving helpful caring ministering to the poor they were poor others became very rich in their life and they were supposedly Christian, but they were very rich in their life, very successful politicians, CEOs. And when they got to heaven, the quiet, humble, useful one got the 10 pounds. She took what little she had and built on it and used it to gain much. And she was one of those uh, gainers. They that work faithfully... In the service of Christ shall be gainers. They will gain. We cannot say so of the business of the world. Many a working person has been a loser. But those that work for Christ with their gifts and abilities shall be gainers. Back to verse 18. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound, thy little bit you gave me, Thy pound has gained five pounds, which means, again, not everybody's going to be able, using what they have, to, to gain the same amount. We're just accountable to do what we can with what we've been given. 
Lord, thy pound hath gained me five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities in the kingdom. This seems to suggest that there are degrees of rewards in heaven, that not all of us will receive the same rewards in heaven. Huh. The degrees of glory, the degrees of rewards we get there will be according to the degrees of usefulness, the usefulness that we have here. I'm going to say that again. The degrees of rewards, the amount of rewards we get, we get in heaven will be according to the degrees of usefulness, the amount of usefulness here. The rewards for the unfaithful now. Verse 20. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have laid up unused. I didn't use it. I laid it up in a napkin, for I was afraid that thou art austere or severe. Thou takes up that, that thou lays not down, and reaps that thou did not sow. This is the perfect example of what a sinner's view of God is, a lost person's view of God is. There are many people that you and I know that because of loss in their life or disappointment in life and blaming God for it, they hate God. They hate Him. They didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get this or they didn't get that. They didn't get, uh, they, they lost loved ones or friends or family and they end up hating God for it. The sinner's view of God is that He's harsh, He's severe, He's unfair. And demanding. By our view, there are many things that seem unfair. God is not always fair. He's righteous. I said that a couple years back, and I don't, I don't know if that has helped or not. A sinner's view of God, that is that he's harsh, severe, unfair, and demanding. This represents the carelessness, laziness, and selfishness of those who have gifts and abilities but never use them for God. It is all the same to them whether the increase of Christ's kingdom sink or swim. <clears throat> Go backward or forward for their parts. They will take no care about it, no pains, no expenses, run no no hazards. Those are the servants that laid up their pound, their gift, in a napkin, who thinking enough to, to say that they have done no hurt to the world, but did no good either. The pleas of the lazy, when they come to be judged, will be found more to their shame. There will be no excuses accepted. Verse 22, he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere, severe man, taking up that that I had not laid down, reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money, at least into a bank? 
that at my coming I might be required, it might be required with interest. Wow. Whatever may be the excuses of laziness, the excuses of lazy Christians in excuse of their laziness, the true reason of it is an indifference, is an indifference to the interest of Christ and his kingdom. What are the purposes of church? What are they? What are the purposes of church? Yes, to, re, to re, receive wisdom, to learn about the word of God, to learn about the God of the word. Yes, to teach our children and youth. Yes, to teach us how to help others. Yes, but also one of the purposes is that we bring people to Christ. And if so, bringing them into church is how we might do it. We do it on a couch at home. We do it here. But there are major purposes, ones that I haven't even spoken of yet. It's wonderful to be a body of believers meeting together, singing. If you're not in California, if you've heard that, they're not allowed to sing in church in California. Uh, to sing, to work, snow removal teams and all that. That's the purposes of the fellowship. When we go out into the world, if we're not careful, we'll think how that there must be something wrong with us that we don't think like the rest of them. The rest of those at work that talk nasty, dirty, get drunk on the weekends, etc. etc. Must be something wrong with us until we come together. And there is power in group purity. There is power in fellowship, fellows in the same ship. Wow. I want to say that again. The true reason of laziness is an indifference to the interest of Christ and his kingdom. And he said to them that stood by, Take from him the pound, the one that was lazy and didn't use it. Give it to him that has ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he has ten pounds. His pound is taken from him, verse 24. It is fair that they should lose their spiritual and natural gifts, who will not use them. And it is fair that those who have dealt falsely should be no longer trusted. Those who will not serve the master with what he gives them, why should they be allowed to serve themselves with it? So take from him the pound, the gift, the ability. Verse 26, I say to you that everyone which has... which which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that that he has will be taken away. Unto everyone that hath shall be given, is the rule. It is the rule of God's justice. Quickly, we have two major life principles here. One, that those should be most encouraged who have been most useful. 
And I'm looking at a, a group of people here who are most useful to the kingdom and to the church. That those should be most encouraged who have been most useful. And that those who have sacrificed the most to do good should have their opportunities of doing, of doing good increased. Principle number one. Number two, those who have unused gifts will be treated as if they had them not. Those who have them to no purpose, who do no good with them, should be deprived of them. To those who work to increase the grace they have, God will give more grace. Those who neglect it and allow it to decline can expect the same from God. Wow. Verse 27, But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them here. Oh, listen. Listen. He says, But those mine enemies, which would not, they did not, want me to reign over them. Bring them here. Slay them before me. But his citizens, back in verse 14, you recall, but his citizens hated him. Why? They don't want to be told what to do. Why? They don't want to be told what they can't do. Why? He's a convenient, he's a convenient target to blame on the bad things in life, the hard things in life, the disappointments things in life. And I hate God. I used to watch a certain detective show and uh, they were in a, the detectives were in a, a big battle, a big gunfight. And the one said to the other something about, do you blame God for this? He says, I hate God for this. I never watched that show again. Because that went out national, worldly probably. Blaming God for the bad things. And the bad things in this world have all come about because of Satan. And how he has twisted our hearts and minds and our morality. And oh, it sure seems to me, it sure seems to me that he's winning right now. Back in verse 14, his citizens hated him. They sent him a message after all saying, we will not have this man, Jesus, to reign over us. It speaks the language of all unbelievers. They can be content that Christ should save them from hell, but they will not have him to reign over them. But Christ is a savior to only those to whom he is king, authority, their ultimate authority. I want to say that again. Christ is a savior to only those to whom he is king and those who are willing to obey him. In Ephesians 2, it says, wherein in time past you walked after the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of of disobedience. His commands. What are his commandments? His commands. 
In Ephesians 5, 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. If there's someone you don't love, why? We're to love, we're to love the unlovable. Christ also hath loved us. Verse, four, verse 3, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Verse 4, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean-minded person, nor covetous wanting man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, and they will try. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And don't be partakers with them. Wow. Whoever will not be ruled by Christ will inevitably be ruined by the wrath of Christ. Oh, it might not have happened yesterday or today. It's not going to happen when we think it should happen. With all kinds of terrorists and evil, and so much evil, even in the newspaper I was reading, so, so many people committing such big-time hurtful sins that the hurtful sins against children, there's so many that it starts to become normalized. Whoever will not be ruled, by Christ will inevitably, inevitably be ruined by the wrath of Christ. I had this scripture to be closing out. Colossians 3, 5. Mortify therefore your members, put your body members to death, which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake, the wrath of God will come on the children of disobedience. We've been lullabied to sleep. We just fall, we fall asleep on, on uh, the, the pillow of life and we forget that there is a greater purpose in life for us. Greater purpose in life. Whether or not you trust and obey God or not, He's still God. Whether or not you're mad at God for something, some disappointment or loss, He's still God. Some decide to not trust or obey God in order to make life more pleasurable, to make life more easier. Very quickly, to summarize the whole, the whole morning, there were five truths here. What gifts talents and abilities that God gives to you can also be taken away. You lose them. You snooze. You lose. Two. Some come to Christ solely for what they can get. Some come to Christ just for hell insurance. 
They just, they just want to make sure they go, to, they go to heaven and not hell. But then there's no repentance. There's no true sorrow. They just want to come to God so to make sure that they, they, they don't go to hell. We saw that. The right attitude is, what can I do for Christ and the kingdom? What can I do for Christ and his kingdom? What can you do? I see tremendous gifting and, and leadership in our church. I see tremendous love and care. And I, I, I so appreciate our children and youth ministries for the sacrifices they make. If you don't know, they've been over there almost every day painting and cleaning out and changing things around a little bit. God knows that you're doing it. And I so appreciate what you're, what you're doing for the good of the kingdom. God does too. What can I do for Christ? Number four, God rewards the useful and obedient servant, both here and there. God rewards us. Psalms 84, 11, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. From them that walk uprightly. Parents, that's your verse. That's your verse for rewarding your children when they do right. There's another part to that. Psalms 84, 11 Psalms 84, 12, O Jehovah of hosts, O God of the host. The host often means of all the angels, the millions of them. O God of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in thee, that trusts in thee. To be his Lord, to be his Savior, to have the right to say what you can and cannot do. And God punishes the disobedience and rebellion, both here and there. And believe me, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't always seem like people that are, that are bad are being punished here. I promise you, there's many people that have millions of dollars you wouldn't want to trade places with. No, you wouldn't want to trade places with. God punishes disobedience and rebellion, both here and there. About here, Jeremiah 5.25 again, parents, a verse. Because of your sin, I, God, will keep the good things from you. Biblical truth to ground your children as a form of their punishment. When I talk about God punishing the disobedient here and there, in verse 27 of our main scripture here, but those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring here and slay them before me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as the musicians come? Lord Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. Open our eyes that we might see brighter and brighter of you. Lord, there might be some here within the sound of my voice that used to follow you, but they've 
backslidden and fallen away. They've stopped serving you. Ask you, Lord Jesus, to convict them. Convict them, Lord, even with this message, with this text, that, Lord, they might come back to you in time. Lord, I pray the greatest, I, the greatest reward of serving you is to be your servant, to please you with our lives. Lord, let any here who have backslidden and fallen away from serving you, let them deal with that in their heart right now. And Lord, there might be someone, maybe at home, who doesn't even know you as Lord and Savior. You don't want to be ruled and by God, to have him reign over you. Oh, please, please for your sake. Please, for your sake and your children and life's, your family's sake, accept him as your Lord. Accept him as Savior, as King. It is so much better to have a shepherd watching over you, caring for you, guiding you through life, you would say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've done bad things. I know the penalty for being a, a sinner. I know, Lord, that I have to go to hell. As a result of my choice to not live for you, I have to go to hell. I have to pay my penalty. But Lord, on the cross, you paid my penalty by my asking you into my heart. I ask you to be my Savior, my Lord, and my King. And Lord, we take this moment to thank you for the abilities and the gifts, natural and spiritual, that we have. And that, Lord, we have found a place to serve and use them. We thank you, Lord, for that. And I challenge all of us to give of our best to the Master. In Jesus' name, amen.